With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing well. Good. Doing well. All right. We're going to revisit uh, a few things, but uh, the first revisit, uh, it's been around. Nobody wanted to talk to it for a long time because it wasn't a real story. It was just disinformation, Yeah. you, you know, and somebody plotted it, and, uh, and it, but, but there was no truth to it. And it's ongoing. There's new information seems, and someday it might even hit the regular news. And that, of course, has to do with Biden's laptop. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was remarking to you a few minutes ago, isn't this a little weird? I mean, this this guy, you know, is up there. He's in big finances, big politics and all, and he loses his laptop. <laughs> and uh, and all of a sudden, it has lots of juicy stuff in. Oh, yeah. It, it, mm. <clears throat> just the process seems a little bit weird, but you had an explanation for that, so I'm going to accept your explanation <laughs> exactly how those kind of things happen. But uh, the big thing in the news today is the, the CIA officer who, who signed off on this letter yeah. that said, uh, oh, don't sweat it, this laptop stuff. Uh, of course, the main goal of the letter was to protect Biden and uh, and, and Hunter, his son. And, uh, and they did a pretty good job. It just died as an issue. It's just part of the conspiracy. You know, it's uh, uh, because we, we all we all know that Russiagate is real and honest oh, yeah. and, and it's, uh, uh, you know, something that we have to expose. So this was part of it. But the weird thing here is this officer comes forth, he brings this back up again. And uh, he's uh, he's he's bragging about it. Yeah, I real I took my authority uh, as a CIA officer, signed on to a letter, and I stopped Trump. Yeah, you know? uh, and and he he admitted it. He hedged a little bit on exactly what he said about you know the laptop, but but I'll tell you what that what his bothered me the most was bragging about how he how he did it and uh, and promoted and got people to accept misinformation uh, and, the, and the disinformation that they had accepted as facts he's a CIA agent so they yeah. accept it and they let it go and now he comes along and he practices more disinformation himself uh, in, in order to brag about uh, being such an important person that he he probably was the most important guy in, in the whole outfit and got Trump uh, uh, defeated. So he, 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 he feels good about himself, and, and that's a shame. Hopefully there'll be a day when uh, uh, the American people wake up and not feel good about individuals like this. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing story because, uh, and we can actually put up that first clip, CIA officer John Cipher, um, he brags about the fact that he uh, that he took down Trump. Uh, he's a longtime uh, operations officer in the CIA, Dr. Paul, and basically that's what he did for a living when he was with the CIA. You know, he did all of this uh, all this manipulation overseas, uh, which the CIA does in operations. And then he comes home and does it at home. And here's what he wrote in a tweet. Let's put that next one up if we can. Uh, here's the article from the Epic Times, uh, and then here's from the article if we can put that. Uh, here, here's John Cipher. I take special pride in personally swinging the election away from Trump. John Cipher, who served for decades as a senior operations officer at the CIA, wrote in a recent post on Twitter, quote, I lost the election for Trump. 
Well, then I feel pretty good about my influence. And as you point out, Dr. Paul, there's some sarcasm there. He said I was using sarcasm, but at the same time, there it is. You put it out there. You were part of an operation, John Cipher. You were part of a clandestine operation to undermine Trump one month before the election, to manipulate the public attention away from this laptop from hell, as it's called. And, and by doing so, though, Dr. Paul, and we'll talk about the letter in a second, in so doing, in these 50 intel officers signing a letter saying this is Russian disinformation, uh, it reinforces the narrative that the Russians are trying to get Trump elected. So it has enough, it, there's, a, there's a, co a covert op within a covert op in this whole thing. And who knows how many Trump voters that may have suppressed. Oh, man, here's more evidence. I'm just not going to bother going out and voting. You know, there are two things. People who committed crimes <clears throat> and they were trying to frame somebody and they had benefits from that. That's, that's one thing. But they're, they're not going to invest uh, Hunter and put him in prison. Maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Anyway, that, that is one issue. But the other issue that I look at, and I'm looking for the positive, and the positive is, is if the American people can only hear it and are hearing more of it, they're going to say, how can we trust our government no matter yeah. what they say? Maybe they even fibbed about COVID. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's a possibility, you know. So that, that to me is, is uh, very, very good. But, you know, uh, the CIA and FBI have had free rides for, for a long time. And uh, the FBI, uh, especially, well, most people didn't know a whole lot about the CIA, but they knew a lot about the FBI, and they were held in high esteem. Yeah. And I can remember when I felt good about it. Uh, I knew a couple of people that were in the FBI. I still know people that seem to be very reputable uh, yeah. in there. But then when you go back and look at the history of, uh, of who started this, who was the leader? What, what was this? Uh, what was this, this guy, uh, Ed, J. Edgar Hoover yeah. like? And, you know, it, and it turned out to be exactly like some people claimed it would happen. But uh, the, uh, the, the CIA is not much better. You know, even Truman, who signed on off this, said, oh, if I ever knew they were going to be involved in, uh, in uh, all this intrigue and killing and, and participation, he'd have never done this. It was just to gather information for national defense persons. Now, whether... I, I don't. We'll never know yeah. just where he where he really came down on that, but but people held high esteem. I think there's less now. Most people know about Russia Gate, especially if they lean toward the Constitution, and uh, and yet it's his partisanship that uh, for some it has made the partisanship uh, more vitriolic now. You know, yeah. arguing, fighting over all of these things, but. The, the libertarian free freedom principle should have easily been uh, solved by these organizations shouldn't have been created. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I had uh, yeah, somebody uh, and some people in the audience may remember the name Dan Smoot, yeah. who, who was a strict constitutionalist. And he told me personally, he said, and he, he was instrumental in trying to find the people in the FBI that, uh, uh, you know, after World War II to, to, uh, start to, to start the CIA, he said, 
he stacked them out, the good guys and the bad guys, and the people who were starting the CIA picked up the list of the bad guys. And, oh, okay, this is our These list. These are our people, yeah. <laughs> and and, uh -huh. uh, and his, his statement to me that stuck with me, he says, in a republic, there's no room for this type of an organization. Uh, this, this republic can't exist. And look at, look at it, we really don't have a republic now. Yeah. We have, uh, you know, secret government, and we have people, uh, you know, bragging when they can cheat and uh, in election and provide false information uh, and, and then make sure that they're, they're very powerful people. So, uh, yes, I think there's some basic principles that need renewed, and we mention them almost every day yeah. time we have a, have a little uh, report to do. It's astonishing. You sort of have to sit back and take a deep breath. These intelligence officers who signed this letter did to the U.S. elections what the CIA has been doing to elections overseas for decades, which is to influence and overturn and manipulate them. You know, and this is exactly what they did. And we know this was a month before the election. This computer came out, very damaging laptop to Biden's son. It talks about a lot of the corrupt deals. There are a lot of pictures in there that we will not talk about on this show, of course, but really detailing in detail a lot of criminal activity, apparently, from what we've been told. So they're in damage control mode. What do they do? Well, let's get some spies, some spooks. Let's get some CIA people, intel people to sign a letter. And here's, here, put this next clip on if you can. And the thing that gets me the most about this, Dr. Paul, is how the media colluded with the CIA. And it makes you wonder how many CIA people are embedded in the media. This is Politico. This is what they ran with. Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo. Dozens of former intel officers say, well, that's not what the letter said. This is Politico writing something itself disinfo about the letter. And here's what the actual letter said. Put on that next clip if you don't mind. This is the actual letter they signed. Uh, and look at all the hedges in here. Um, we write to say that the arrival on the U.S. political scene of emails purportedly belonging to Vice President Biden's son, much of it related to his time serving on the board of the Ukrainian gas company Barisa has all the classic earmarks of a Russian in information operation. And then they say, we want to emphasize we don't know if the emails provided to the New York Post by Trump's attorney Giuliani are genuine or not. So they're literally saying we have no clue whether this is Russian disinformation or not. But how does the media report? It's done. Russian disinfo. Don't touch it. New York Post is banned from Twitter because they're the ones that broke the story, and everyone else gets banned from social media if they mention it. But it's not like the authors of the letter expected it to be talked about the way they put their loopholes yeah, in there. Exactly. They knew exactly what was going on, and I'll bet you really had got down to all the correspondence, the correspondence between the FBI and the CIA yeah. and the media, and the social media, what we know, it goes on constantly. Yeah. You know, they, they work hand in glove. They should subpoena that, I mean, especially if the Republicans take over. They should subpoena all those emails and see what they were saying behind the scenes. Because you know how it played out. Once that letter came out and you said, come on, this is ridiculous. Uh, I don't believe it. People, what would be the retort from people? Oh, so you think you know better than 50 intelligence community professionals, right? So that's, they lent their credibility for something and they knew it was being manipulated uh, in a way that wasn't intended and they just went they just ran with it to this day Brennan won't 
John Brennan, the former CIA director, he won't say he was wrong. He just said at the time it seemed the right thing to do. If they would challenge you and say, well, you don't know the experts know the answer. This time, scientists knew everything yeah. in COVID. Oh, you're just a mother. You're just a parent. Yeah. You're just some somebody there. What do you know about uh, viruses? And science. we need to have a leader and tell us what is true science. And, and we, we can't have it. We need, we need a Dr. Fauci, yeah. you know, this sort of thing. Uh, but the point is, people have started to wake up. And uh, it'd be interesting, I don't think anybody does any polling on, uh, well, in a way they do it indirectly. They, they do polls which shows uh, uh, what percentage of the people uh, trust the government. You know, and that number uh, keeps getting, going up all the time that they distrust the government. You know, like, uh, well, we'll have an investigation, we'll have a commission, and you know, a commission on uh, the Kennedy's assassination. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, nobody believes it. But it's always late. It's yeah. always late. Now this this will come out, and even this will go by because the, the, they're smart enough to put the people on the other side on the defensive, too, with more disinformation. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. what goes on constantly. Well, there was a kind of a uh, startling development yesterday in a hearing in the House when the top cyber person for the FBI was in front of the committee and Matt Gates from Florida was questioning him saying, where's the laptop? You guys got it all these years ago. Where is it? So I don't have any idea. It's not my, <laughs> it's not my purview. I have no idea. He kept pressing. Well, why did you lose it? Where is it? Where is it? And then, then there was a kind of the shocking. Actually, we can uh, put this up. But there was the, the uh, actual video clip. But here, then, all of a sudden, he surprised everyone. No, the, uh, the video, actually, not this, the video, if we can. Cue up the, the uh, yeah, there we go. Cue this up. Gentlemen, who's recognized? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. After a consultation with majority staff, I seek unanimous consent to enter into the record of this committee content from, files from, and copies from the Hunter Biden laptop. Without objection. Thank you. My first thought is, a guy like that better be careful. They're going to probably pin some stuff on him and yeah. probably try to get rid of him. They're going to cancel. Yeah. Want to cancel him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at it. It's amazing. Typical. He, he entered it. You know, he he entered it into the congressional record. The I don't know how much the entirety of the laptop. There's a question of whether some of those photos were entered in the laptop or into the uh, congressional record. Let's hope that they're not, because then kids won't be able to go through it, and people shouldn't <laughs> either. But nevertheless, I think what it means this dramatic move on Getz's part is to the the uh, the walls are closing in on Biden now because there's so much uh, damning things on it what they say and in fact I watched a clip from CNN this morning where they openly talked about how much trouble Hunter Biden is going to be in and the question is how much of that is going to also affect the big guy who supposedly took his 10% cut I want to talk a little bit about foreign policy as usual and there's a little war going on there and People look at it, and it's getting a lot of attention. But uh, in some ways, it is a little war. I'm facetious, of course. It's it's a little war with a big imp implication, and some of that implication is it's coming coming to light. And this has to do with uh, maybe an unintended consequence. Uh, uh, United States uh, always feared, you know, a coalition. That's been going on for a long, long time. A coalition and uh, part, close partnerships with uh, two big communist countries, you yeah. know, the Soviet system and the Chinese system. Yeah. And that was that was going on for a long time. But now it's a little bit different. But here it is. Uh, 
our policies now have uh, precipitated or encouraged a closer relationship of uh, two countries that, you know, there's a lot of people in this country, you know, they go back and forth and then they hit twice. You know, a year or so ago, China was the biggest enemy that we ever had. And all of a sudden now we have a better target and, and uh, you know, Russia is yeah. a big target. But I want to mention the fact that, uh, that uh, right now there was a report put out by the National Defense Strategy uh, for the Congress. Now, I think it was just issued. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the conclusion there is China identified as top threat in the new National Defense Strategy. The top, all of a sudden, you mean more than Russia? Yeah. I mean, what, what a, I thought Russia was it. And, but, but there's some tr truth to this in the sense that, uh, yes, we're pushing them together, and it, it, it's been thought for a long time that would not be to our benefit. And, uh, and right now, it may not be to the West's benefit because uh, they, they're also talking to India. And guess what's high on their agenda? It's not where we're going to drop the next bomb yeah. or the next financial bomb. Is hey, maybe we'll just sort of work on a new currency that might be able to be used as a reserve currency. And who, who knows? I don't think that's on the doorstep and it's going to happen. But it, it can. Things can happen like that because there's a lot of people and a lot of wealth uh, untapped, really, when you look at China, uh, India, and uh, the Russians. That's a that's a, a big deal if they ever got organized. If they introduce a if they introduce this sound currency, yeah. then also uh, moved in the direction of freeing up their economy a little bit. Uh, how how could they help but beat? Europeans and, and, and America, because uh, we're going in the wrong direction. Yeah, we are. And this is, you know, this is the strategy of the U.S., and we can put that on China identified as top threat. I think it's uh, two clips from the one we were on. If you can put up, this is our, our friend Dave DeCamp, always does great work at antiwar.com and, and bigging big articles and really putting them down into short, uh, short points. But so the new strategy comes out, China is the top threat. And it just kind of makes you wonder about just the terminology that we use because, yes, we should take a realistic view of the world. It's not all puppy dogs out there. <laughs> but I just, I wonder why we even think in these terms, this is our top threat, this is a threat, this is a threat. And it seems to be just a justification for these massive military budgets. But here uh, are the four priorities for the Pentagon. And ironically, all of our actions and all of our policies are working at cross purposes for from these actual priorities put up that next clip if you can because uh, okay number one defending the home homeland pace to the growing multi-domain threat posed by the People's Republic of China well defending the homeland by sailing a bunch of ships in the South China Sea and getting the Chinese even more irritated <laughs> doesn't sound very smart to me number two deterring strategic attacks against the United States its allies and partners. Well, that didn't go too well because all of those troops and weapons that we put in Europe, they did not deter uh, the attack <laughs> against uh, Ukraine. Deterring aggression while being prepared to prevail in conflict when necessary. Prioritizing the PRC challenge in the Indo-Pacific theater, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Four, building a resilient joint force and defense ecosystem. Well, that's what it's really all about is money, money, money. And that's what this whole 
you know, defining our new enemy thing is about. And they do have a concept of a new world order, and uh, and it is money. It's building building these weapons, and <clears throat> and, and and you can see the lines uh, uh, coming together when you think about. Uh, you, you know, the, the Russians right now are on one side and NATO, uh, which is an arm of the gov- our government. Yeah. No, that's not true. <laughs> but, you know, the coalition, the, the way we can control uh, NATO and get, it, get everything rubber stamped. And, uh, but even that, uh, r- recently, because things are getting so messy, there's even a little discussion in NATO. What should we do? How many weapons should we get? Yeah. When, what we should do? Some of them are worrying about, there was a comment today about, well, if you're chilly now and there's not enough heat in your house, get a heavier coat. Yeah, what's <laughs> what wrong you, with you? you and put a coat, coat on. So that's it. <laughs> I'm glad you made that point because remember in Biden's speech, they wanted to divide us, but NATO has never been more united. And then the next day, uh, Germany saying, I'm not sure about sending all these weapons, <laughs> Bulgaria, you know. So it is funny. But, but here's, here's also sort of the punchline of this whole China is our biggest threat. We're going you know, to take them on. Put on this next clip. This is from the South China Morning Post, I think. Um, this is happening as we speak right now, Dr. Paul. You can put that next clip on, please. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi and Russia's Sergei Lavrov <clears throat> set for first meeting since Ukraine invasion. This is a very high-level meeting of the two foreign ministers. So we're actually pushing them together. This is what, what we're doing. And actually, let's do the next one then, because this is also on the same trip. India stands by trade with Russia as Lavrov set to visit. So while we are rattling our sabers talking about who the biggest enemy is of the week, uh, the Russians are going and talking to the Chinese, are talking to the Indians. Hey, want to trade some oil? Want to buy some oil? Want to buy some gas? No, that sounds good. Maybe, you know, they, we, we talk about it when we take an oath to defend the country, both the foreign and domestic. And some days I think they forget about some of the domestic yeah. things that's going on no kidding. Uh, in, in this country. And... Uh, I, th- I think it's a perpetual thing unless we change our way, and it's getting to be very dangerous. But it's, um, I, I'm sort of optimistic that uh, we're not going to get into that most vicious war of really dropping big bombs, but I think it's going to be, uh, you know, the uh, crypto type of stuff that's going in, you know, the electronic uh, things that are happening that they can do it, the biological things, and uh, that that's that to me is real scary. And uh, the, uh, American, the American people, you know, are, are listening to the propaganda about Biden's uh, <laughs> laptop and yeah. why why uh, we should protect our president from any negative uh, information. Yeah. Well, our last story that we want to talk about is kind of related in, in a way. Um, and if we can put on that last clip, this is also, this is a Dave DeCamp, this is a Dave DeCamp week on anti-war. He, he should, uh, I don't know if he should send us a check or we should send him a check. <laughs> but here's Dave again uh, today on anti-war. Top general says U.S. will still need more troops in Europe after Ukraine war ends. Our friend Chuck Spinney would call that a self-licking ice cream cone, right? Um, it's exactly what they wanted. That bad old Trump is gone. Remember what he said. We need to pull some troops out of Europe. Why are we defending them? They don't want to defend themselves. Well, the military-industrial complex got exactly what it wanted now. 
and we're going to send more troops over there. That's going to work. That's going to deter them. You know, they just said that uh, uh, within not too many months, we've uh, already sent 100,000 yeah. into Europe. Yeah. And, now, and now they want more. But, you know, there was, there was a coalition, and uh, I, uh, uh, I want to mention the coalition I had with the chairman of the banking committee. His name was Barney Frank. Yeah. But he... He had uh, instincts that were very similar to ours yeah. of not getting involved, but he, he was very, very comfortable in dealing with this issue, and it was Europe. Yeah. He, and and uh, we'd introduce legislation and uh, say that we should be bringing our troops out, but they didn't listen to us. Yeah. I'll have to call up Barney and say, <laughs> what's happening to you? You're sound asleep. Where's your... <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. You're not there anymore. That's right. No clout. <laughs> yeah, no clout. But it's, it is amazing, no matter what happens, the answer is more troops, uh, even as the Americans, of course, are suffering under inflation uh, and the Europeans are suffering under the same thing. But uh, I'm going to close out if you think we're about ready. Okay. And uh, just want to thank our viewers. Uh, I'm going to have an announcement that I'm going to make, and something weird happens, I'm going to make tomorrow about our spring conference, which is coming up. Here in Houston this spring, we're going to do three conferences. This is going to be a really exciting year for us, Dr. Paul. Slow, steady growth. We're going to do three conferences this year. Uh, we're very excited about that. We've got a new website coming. It's in the final stages of being done. I've got another surprise announcement, hopefully next week, that we'll make. So lots of things are happening with the Ron Paul Institute. Uh, we ask you to be part of it. If you're not signed up to this channel, if you're not subscribed to this YouTube channel, please do so. But also go to ronpaulinstitute.org and subscribe for free for updates there. Uh, so you'll know, you'll be the first to know when something is coming out. Our, our conferences have all sold out, and a lot of people will go away disappointed that they can't get tickets. So you'll be the first to know if you sign up there. And if you see, if you see it this way, then also support us financially. We appreciate it. We're a 501c3, uh, and you're, so your support is tax deductible. Uh, so thank you. We appreciate your viewership and your support. Dr. Paul, over to you. Very good. Uh, Daniel touched on this subject of uh, the uh, top threat, and it was mentioned in the National uh, Defense Strategy paper that was put out by the Congress and, and the Pentagon. And this, uh, this whole idea about the top threat that gets people attention because uh, last week the top threat was Russia, and uh, now, now the top threat is uh, China and, and different things. But I, I want to mention a slightly different view of this uh, point because uh, the, there, there is a top threat in my estimation. I think the top threat to the American people, to both our, uh, our peace that we desire to have and our prosperity that we believe we should be allowed to earn and keep. And uh, the threat to me comes from the destruction of that, that uh, there's a, a threat to our current system because I think uh, much of what we're doing comes from a moral bankruptcy. You know, we talked about uh, disinformation and uh, malinformation, distorting the truth and all the lies told and, and all the things happening by our government. 
And, uh, and then there's so little respect and understanding or caring about a rule of law, which should be minimal but guided and very principled, and added the Constitution gives us pretty good guidelines on what money should be like. It should be honest, and it shouldn't be fiat, and it shouldn't be like counterfeit money. And also, war should be done very rarely and very cautiously. Uh, and that is the reason the people should have a direct say in this by a vote by the Congress on really, is it time that we commit to sending troops overseas and having a lot of our young men and women be killed overseas. Well, you, you know, we've been, we've been, that's been happening for a long time, but it's gotten especially bad since World War II because the one thing is, is we don't do that. We don't care. The people there uh, aren't going to declare war and be precise. Who is the enemy and why are we doing it and when is it going to be over and what are the goals? No, it's just uh, they go on. So I think it's this attitude and this uh, philosophic uh, neglect uh, to having a moral system of laws that you could depend on. And uh, the founders, I believe, gave us an attempt at, at giving us a guideline. But uh, quite frankly, I don't think that uh, the, it doesn't even come close to a majority of people in Congress that play that. Everyone takes the same oath, but uh, it's a handful or two that really understand and want to do that and, and just allow the people to care of their lives and allow them to keep what they earn and, and keep their kids from being involved in wars overseas and, and just de declaring that the administration and executive branch, just think of the size of the executive branch. Do you know the executive branch is the biggest legislature? And they write more laws. Thousands, tens of thousands of pages, and hardly anybody says anything about it. So uh, th this is the case, and even the courts now, they write the laws, and uh, that's, that to me is really bad. So that to me is the greatest threat. It's been around, it's, it's growing, but there's also a resistance growing. And that's what we encourage. We, we encourage the resistance against this uh, inevitable, seems like inevitable growth of big government running our lives without even thinking about maybe a couple rules will happen. How about the rejection of the initiation of force against anybody personally or through government action? You know, all of a sudden, everything would be voluntary? Who ever heard of such a thing? It's, life would be so boring. It may be boring, but I'll tell you what, it would be a lot more peaceful, and I imagine the boredom would disappear if we did not have to worry about who is the greatest threat. Is it China? Is it Russia? Or is it the combination that uh, we're forcing them into? Uh, is it the atomic war that might break out? Or is it another COVID? No, I think that uh, if we could get more people, which is not going to be easy and it would be very difficult, but I, I think that's the only answer to the people who believe authoritarian is, authoritarianism is the answer. And, and they really believe that. All you have to do is listen to them in Washington, and they're always talking about government do this, government do that. And it's all by authority, authoritarianism by individuals who think they know what's best for you. It's not complicated but I'll tell you what if we don't do something about it and start moving in the other direction and fortunately we see signs of that we we really do and maybe this next uh, the current year that we're in an election might give us some more help because we have seen
tens of thousands, if not millions of people waking up because they stepped over the line when they decided that it needed an army of bureaucrats and an army of scientists to fight the war against COVID, uh, which was a farce as far as I'm concerned. So I, I think that people are waking up in a healthy sort of way. And what we want to do here at the Liberty Report is to encourage these basic principles that have been known for a long time and which were established and institutionalized by our founders. Unfortunately, we need a little boost on that. And we're, we're going to do our best to present the evidence that we have to move in that direction. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.